So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Here we go. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello. Why, hello. That was my attempt at my silly <laughs> slowed down voice. From prepared the last another. We could have that as a re- regular segment. Hello. Nat slow. Slow Nat. Slow Nat. <laughs> Pretty true. <laughs> ah, episode six. six. Welcome. Episode six. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to a very, very special episode. Yes. Because, uh, yeah, well, well, you know, you know already, but it's Gene Donaldson. Well, he's a bit excited. Super, super excited. We're actually, we're coming to you slightly from the past 
because of the way the recording gets worked out, we are actually in your past. We are. It's World Book Day today, isn't it? It is World Book Day. So it's quite fitting when we're recording, but it won't be when you're listening. So no. Plus the fact, we'll all be dead from coronavirus <laughs> oh by then. God, you had to get it in there, didn't you? <laughs> Make sure you wash your hands yes. after you've listened to this podcast. I am a goner. Yeah. I'm going to say now there are. Well, you've been, I have, I've been known to bite me. Hands down drains. <laughs> yeah, I've been not, not all, not since the last time. Well, I'm hoping not. I don't know. Like, it's very difficult when you're in the past to know what you'll be doing in the yeah, future. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I've, I've been known to stick my fingers in my mouth and stuff, so I've got to try and retrain myself to do that. I sound like a four year old, don't I? <laughs> really do. <laughs> Moving on. Put your play doh away and let's get on with this podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, Crufts happened. Yeah. That all went off without a hitch, I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should stop now trying to preempt ho- Now something stop. horrible's going to have happened at Crufts and we've said that on the podcast. I don't know. I'm sure Crufts goes fine. Yeah, I'm sure people went shopping and it was all yeah. good and everyone was happy. We've been, haven't we? I've been to Crufts, yeah. yeah. I went a couple of years ago. Uh, it was good fun. Do You do lots of steps. Lots of steps. Do you know what I? Do you know what I love the most about the entire day was the last half hour trying to go around and wangle loads of bargains. Oh yeah, that's the best bit. (laughs) That's what I really. The freebies. I like going up to the same stall ten times with my hair slightly different (laughs) and having a different dog each time so that I get different free samples. It was the time when you went up with the Hitler moustache that you got ushered away. (laughs) You run out of disguises. I'm Charlie Chaplin, she said as she got taken out of the NEC. Yeah, yeah. that's why I've not gone this year. I've still got my mug shot up. We can say I've still got the moustache. <laughs> well, I have I? I don't know. This I is going off the rails I quite quick. I paid a lot of attention. <laughs> Do you but think anyway, we're a bit delirious because we're about to speak to you? We could Robinson? well be, yes, we could well be. But yeah. oh, how exciting, how absolutely exciting. So I, I think it's probably worth saying... Um, we are focusing the meat of the podcast on two books, Mine and Fight. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I mean, yeah, when you get the chance to interview Gene Donaldson, you're gonna you're gonna talk about a whole wider, broader subject. So And she does have other brilliant books in yeah. her in her um, repertoire. Obviously people might um, be going, Why aren't you doing the culture clash? Because yeah. that's probably one of the most the most famous dog books out there. But we, we specifically focus on these ones because these are quite practical, I yeah. think, and they're interesting to talk about. Um not that the culture clash isn't the culture clash is amazing, but But they they really focus and drill down on the kind of um the practical level of two things that we work with our clients on a lot, isn't yeah. it? So dog to dog aggression and resource guarding and i love the way it focuses on the minutiae yeah the step by step like you said practical application yeah of doing exactly. it. so so that's the reason why we're focusing on that and obviously you know if people are out there that have um dogs that scrap or dogs that uh that guard stuff this will be beneficial for you indeed and we've done a book each so we're going to a be talking to each. each other um because we thought well let's let's do a, a book each which is a different slightly different format but I'm sure it'll be fine should we wander into the unknown yeah let's do it should we skip in yeah <laughs> off we go <laughs> why read it this was brilliant for me because um, 
I didn't even have to open the book for my why read it. I just read the front cover. Well, that's and nice and easy, isn't there's it? There's an awesome... Is I'm that not, why you chose that one and not mine? I did open the oh, book. No, you did I definitely... You? No, I did. And you gave it to me. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, on the front cover is a quote from Susan Hetz, PhD, and basically says, uh, anyone who works with dogs will benefit from reading this book. There you go. Well, there you go. That's your job done, isn't That's it? That's why, even if you don't work with them, even if you've got a dog, I think, it, it, you know, obviously it's all about resource guarding, but, um, you know, understanding why dogs are, the, you know, why dogs are... Um, have a propensity to guard stuff yep. while they've evolved that way what you can do about it and also understanding loads I mean it goes into stuff about handling loads of stuff so why read it because if you're into dogs you should read it yep and I'm going to say exactly the same about my book as have well so my book is Fight A Practical Guide to the Treatment of Dog to Dog Aggression and uh, I'm just reading the um, the cover of the book because apparently that's all we have to do now for this segment. Um, this down-to-earth manual will teach you how to use behaviour modification to retrain a dog that bullies other dogs or becomes fearful when approached by other dogs. And it does. So I think what I would say is... Um, Jean does a very good job at explaining why dogs might learn certain skills or be lacking in certain skills when mm-hmm. it comes to dog-to-dog interactions. And she um, writes the theory and the practical steps of um, how to go through these treatment plans. But she makes it very clear that it's important to be in the hands of a capable trainer and behaviourist, which is, yep. is great. So I think if, you, if you're thinking, mm, maybe I need a bit of help with um, the way that my dog socialises, it's a really good place to start um, because you're going to be on board with any of the, the practical applications that a trainer or behaviourist would help you with. Yes. It should be invaluable. Yeah, 100%. Mm. 100%. Um, yeah, I should have said I didn't say the title of the book. It's mine, a practical guide to resource guarding in dogs. Um, another reason why you should read it: if you're like me and you like things broken down and into tiny little steps, so that mm. you know where you are, you know when the next level of progression, when you're there to, to be able to move on a little bit. Um, this is the book for you. Um, if you are dealing with resource guarding, it can be quite stressful. Well, very stressful for you and the dog yeah. as well. So, um, so it's definitely uh, you know a first port of call. Um, I found it brilliant reading it. It was very good. Yeah, they're great. They're really easy to read, aren't they? Yeah, nice little bits. They're really interesting, and the the kind of way they're structured, it, you just keep keep going, and before you know, it, you've, you've read the whole thing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And actually, I've I've actually used it on some uh, recent cases I've been working on as well. well so, that's good. Yeah, going being able to go back, read over, and just. You know, affirm that I've been doing the right stuff. That's always good to know, isn't it? But also some new things as well. Like, yep. the, ah, okay, which is really, really good. Which you'd never be, never be shut off to learning more stuff. Uh, I think that's really, really good. It's also some really, um, you know, supplementary reading section in the back. It's got loads and loads of books that I was gonna, gonna dive into and have a look for. Maybe we can look up some of them later on. Yeah, and we can ask Jean about it, can't we? Exactly. exactly. Yes. Any suggestions for our podcast? So why read them? They're awesome. Yep. Get them. Read Fact. them. <laughs> oh, you pricked my eye. Are we on? We're on. I'm oh, sorry. I was <laughs> having a little snooze. I was. Then, I was huh? having a little snooze Aww. with my eyes open. Sorry about that. It's really weird when she's forcing her eyes open. It's really weird. Anyway, I will open my eyes properly, and because uh, they've been pricked. <laughs> yes, they have. Um, in my book, which is the the dog to dog aggression one. 
uh, on page 82, there is a really nice flowchart. We like a flowchart, don't we? Let's see. You just reminded me of Eddie. <laughs> I'm 82! Have you ever seen that? <laughs> There's an 82-year-old woman shouting, I've got, I've got a bun on my head or something. I've got to, I've got to oh, I don't know. I'm 82! I thought you were going to tell a flowchart joke then. <laughs> He's probably got one. Okay, yeah, he probably has. Um, okay, so um, basically what, what the flowchart is trying to explain is negative punishment for bullying. So how dogs use negative punishment uh-huh. um, when uh, a dog is um, being a bit inappropriate okay. in their play. Now remember, negative punishment is about removing something mm-hmm. in order to the, reduce the likelihood of a behaviour. Which is different to positive punishment. It is. Positive punishment, you're adding something to, to reduce, reduce the likelihood it, Yeah, of so behavior. forget the word punishment yeah. because that makes it sound, you know, bad. Yeah. Um, but the so basically, what the dog is trying to do is um, take something away in order to stop or reduce a behaviour. So the flowchart kind of shows this warning cue. So let's imagine we've got um, a bouncy Bob the dog, and he runs over to um, Placid Percy the dog. <laughs> I'm making this up as we go along, you know. the gears turning. Then, yeah, I know. Um, and um, and a bouncy bob comes over and uh, Placid Percy goes... Nice. And he freezes and he looks to the side and he gives a little low grumble. That's the warning cue, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the same cue can lead to two different outcomes. Yep. It can lead to um, Bob continuing bullying and bouncing... Um, and then we end up with kind of no uh, positive interaction. Yep. Or it can lead to Bouncy Bob um, reducing the the, the bounciness. Yep. And then Percy goes, oh, thanks. And then they and interacts with them. Yep. Yeah. And they might play or they might just sniff together. Um, and I just thought it was a very nice little way of explaining how uh, a warning cue can lead to two, uh, two possible yeah, contingencies. And I guess, so, it, I guess it depends on the personality of the dog as to, yeah. uh, you know, what Bob's feeling like on that particular what day. Bob's feeling like and how, you know, all of the learning history yeah. that both of those dogs have had. So if we look at um, that situation from Bob's point of view, if all the learning history has learnt that that has has led up to the point where if he continues to bounce, the dog eventually gives in and goes, all right, then I'll play with you. Then he's more likely to continue with that Mm. behaviour. If um, all of the uh, previous learning has has led to no play, then he's more likely to reduce Mm. that behaviour. From Percy's side, if most of the dogs that he's met when he's given the warning cue have carried on kind of bullying him and bouncing him, then he's more likely to be tipped into a more defensive, aggressive... Uh, behavior or if the dogs have listened he's he's more likely to de-escalate his response and then be able to carry on and sniff and have an interaction so if you've got a bouncy dog think about percy exactly we need t-shirts think about percy because you don't think about that people don't do they 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 just kind of think my dog's friendly and he's like you know you don't think about the fallout for the other dog and we we don't want you know if you've got if you've got a percy you don't want percy having to tell your dog off you know you don't want him having to get to that and if you've got a percy you know Bob's a nightmare, man. It's another t-shirt. <laughs> merch. Some merch. If you've got a Percy, Bob's a bloody nightmare. <laughs> Get a toe. Um Yeah, in all seriousness, though, yeah, it, you know, 
yeah, this is where you should be stepping in as a per, you know, as a as a dog owner and, and knowing yeah. if you've got a bob. <laughs> we can, we can, we can, we can, well, that's it now. Stuck. Bob, stuck Who are it. Bob and Percy anyway? I don't know where they even came from. <laughs> from your brain. My brain. Your my brain, brain everybody. Brilliant. Um, my uh, pricked uh, pricked my eye. Obviously, I'm, I'm I'm talking about resource guarding from the book Mine. Um, I'm going to go through some fallacies about resource guarding. Are you? Because I think it's quite a misunderstood behavior okay and i think we can sometimes well let me go through let me go yeah, through gene writes better than i ever will so here we go i'm, I'm gonna go through them one by one so this is an abnormal behavior oh not okay an abnormal so behavior. resource guarding is normal nope it's very very normal um obviously dogs have evolved to do this they they came came about during times of scarcity so if you've got food you want to hold on to it not abnormal at all number two i'm gonna go through these quite quickly because mm-hmm. there's quite a few of them um that because it is largely genetically driven rather than learned, it is immutable. Mm. Apparently, this fallacy is not limited to resource guarding. Um, while it is true that genetic programming can make certain behaviours easier to learn in some cases or interfere with learning in other cases, there is no neat correlation between how much a behaviour is thought to be genetically influenced and its susceptibility to behaviour modification. Right. There you go. Number three. That it can be cured by making the dog realise that resources are abundant. I think that this one's a classic, in it? Because this is another one of those things that fascinate me. Like, logically, that feels like it should work. Yeah. You know, for me, with my big monkey brain, I'd be <laughs> thinking, don't worry, mate. Look, you know, you want balls? It's a million balls. You know, never need to guard balls. Yeah. Not going to work. Um, that logic-based approach, yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, so that's a fallacy. Um, That is a symptom of dominant or pushy personality in the dog. Um, Quite the opposite. They're probably coming from a place of severe anxiety and paranoia. Yeah, they're worried that something's going to be taken away, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about dominance and things like that before. Um, It doesn't put you in a great mindset for helping animals, it Mm. turns out. Um, But yeah, that's another one. Uh, Number five, that is a result of spoiling your dog. Don't worry about that. That's not the case, which is good news for us. It's always good. Uh, and uh, let me go down there. Number five. Da, da, da. Oh, no, that is the last one. Number five is the last one. So it's not a result of spoiling Excellent. your dog. You could be fine. So there you go. Well, I can spoil my dogs. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> or continue spoiling your dogs. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So there we go. Prick my eyes. Excellent. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Whoa. It's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh. That sting that means it's the Greg Wallace moment. One of my favourites Love it. Now. <laughs> Love it. I need the file, actually, because it needs to be my uh, ringtone. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go. High praise indeed. <laughs> Not the slow voice of... No, no that won't be happening. <laughs> Should we hear it again? No. No. <laughs> right. Uh, Greg Wallace moment. Um, well, again, as always, loads of stuff, loads of stuff. But in my, in mine, in mine book, in my, yeah, no, you know what I'm saying. Uh, uh, but the, the section on body handling, I, I found really, really interesting. Um, as well as uh, uh, putting it together that a lot of dogs that have resource guarding problems also have body handling issues as well. Interesting. Um, I thought it was a really, a really good thing to get, get across to people. And, and we do have, as they say in the book, we have this vision that we're going to get our dogs and they're just going to love everything. They're going to love to be cuddled and they're going to sit on our laps and do all yeah. of this. And how quickly that, well, you know, they might come straight out the bat, not like being, not like being handled, but how, also how quickly it can go wrong. I see a lot of issues with ha- uh, with uh, harnesses. 
yeah. at the moment. In and I also think there it's important to make a distinction between intentional sort of handling and cuddles. Yes. Because dog, dogs can love cuddles, but then Not be like... worried about intentional handling. Yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. giving away all these cues and clues about with our body language that we're coming towards you to we're do something. To yeah, yeah no, I guess that's where the harness is. Yeah. Yeah. And we always get, I always get the, but they're fine when they got it on. Yeah. They're fine when they got it on. And, it, you know, they're trying to get that idea across that it's the act of putting it on, the yeah. act of going towards them that might be that might be the well, issue. Well, I guess then you've got to accept it's not about an inanimate object. It's about you. Oh, naughty me. And then you Why get upset. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. your dog so, doesn't love you. I mean, handling is so important. You know, yeah. they're going to go through their lives need to be handled by vets. So, so important. So they've got a list here of most common handling problems, um, which I thought I'd read through just to see if any of our listeners, you know, might, might have a have a little bit of these issues maybe at home or, or anything along those lines. So uh, restraint of body, head, jaws or limbs. I read once, I don't know how true this is, but that dogs have a have a, an innate sort of like reaction to having their paws held because... From an evolutionary standpoint, if you get your leg caught in something, that's it, you're done. I don't know, I can't, again, as as with everything, I can't remember well, where I read it. It but makes sense, but I don't, sense, yeah, yeah, I don't know how they would know that. Yeah, yeah maybe you have to know it. Well, there has to be to some be a, research. <laughs> like the, like the, what they They would have it? had to done, they would have had to have done some studies into the, whether it's a reflex reaction, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know either. I don't know. But I found it quite interesting. It is interesting. Anyway. Collar grabbing. Um, yep. That's an obvious one that people that Head reaches or touches, muzzle and mouth, ears, feet, front only, back only, or both. Nail clipping, skin grabbing, hair pulling, grooming, rear quarters, tail. All of these sorts of things can be... Is there anything left? Hair pulling. <laughs> Uh, we talked about fish last week, didn't we? That he's got taken a step back in his yeah, uh, little in fishy his, in his nail clipping. Little fishy woo. We're doing stuff at the moment with Penny as well. Some really basic kind of husbandry stuff to get uh, like used to uh, teeth cleaning is the one that I really, really want to get to. And nail clipping, yeah, um, and brushing. We've been doing some brushing stuff. Yeah, tiny little things. And I've actually I've got this little. Uh, this is gonna sound strange. I'm regretting this as I'm coming out because it's really hard to describe. It's a stump. It's like a tree. Like a small log. Right. Okay. Bear with me. Yeah, bear with um, you. And I've put, and I've, I've taped a flannel on top of it. Right. Like, like um, folded up so it's nice and cushioned. And I'm using it for a little chin rest. Oh, that's cute. Thing. And we're clicker training Penny to rest her chin and hold her chin on it. And we're using it as sort of a choice option. So, yep. so when her chin's rested on it, we're going to start introducing things like handling and stuff like that. If she takes her chin off, we're going to stop. Yep. Um, Sounds good. And we're only at the stage of where she's now starting to actually leave her her chin on it, and that's really really that's cool. Very cute. Just to give her a bit of choice. Yeah. About it, I quite like that idea. Um, but yeah, getting your dog used to being handled is so so important. I mean, we talk about puppies. Um, I think we said it on the Karen Wild episode that in my puppy classes, the handling class is the one where I kind of, you know, people sort of like look at me with dead eyes. My dog loves being handled. I cuddle it all the time. And you're saying the distinction between handling and cuddling. Yeah. I think it's a hard one to get across. But this bit, you're putting a bit of time in when they're young and maintaining it obviously throughout their lives, but it pays dividends. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the maintenance is a really important part because I know that, 
uh, well, both with Fish and Gru. I've done lots of stuff when they were young because they're the two dogs that I've had from the, the youngest point. Um, but with both of them, they've then been sensitised because of something aversive happening. So yeah. um, Gru is quite worried about um, being brushed now and I've, I've, I've had to work on it quite a lot since he got a wasp caught in his coat. Oh, good Lord. And I had to get it out mm. and I had to comb it out. So now he's like, ah, wasps. Um, uh, so that kind of put him backwards. And with fish, um, I I didn't do a very good job of clipping a, a nail. So I've I've hurt him basically. Oh, okay. yep. um, these things happen. These things happen, you know. So um, back to the drawing board. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's that fine. Seems that cruel, cruel thing, isn't it? Where it just takes one tiny thing and then suddenly you can't yeah. go back to. Yeah, back but to I mean, to be honest, I think I, probably a, a fault in my training that it, one thing has thrown him back. Um, so he obviously wasn't that happy with it in the first place. Mm. But hopefully we'll get back to where we were quicker than it took us in the first yeah, place. Yeah, that so, you know, that's a good thing. It's, but, all, yeah. it's all learning, isn't it? It's not the end of the world. I'll just work on it. Simple. It's not the end of the no. world. No, not yet anyway. No. <laughs> all right, don't bring up coronavirus <laughs> again. I want to do a whole podcast on coronavirus. <laughs> Um, Shall I do my my moment? Do you, Greg? Um, So my... It's quite long. Go on. Okay. So this is from Fight. So this is about uh, dog-to-dog aggression. Here we go. Indeed, most owners find even the most normal and ritualised levels of aggression distressing to witness. True. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their goal is to have no aggression of even the most ritualised sort delivered even in normal contexts. This is the equivalent of me requiring you to go through to the end of your life without ever losing your temper and saying something a bit mean to a loved one, honking your horn at someone who cuts you off in traffic or writing a letter of complaint. That's not to say we should just let dogs work it out and refrain from intervening with behaviour modification. The let them work it out piece of advice is a potentially damaging one and is trotted out far too often by well-meaning owners and trainers. Mm. You know when you hear things sometimes and you just think, well, I've I've spent about three hours trying to explain exactly what that whole, that little paragraph explains. That was one of those moments. Yeah, that was one of those moments. That's why I I chose it for me. Wow. Yeah, you've done good. You've done a good one there. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah, let them sort it out. Well, we talked a little bit about that, didn't we? But Yeah. So as always, it's getting that balance right, isn't it? It, You you know, you go too far one way, you go too far the other. It's normally somewhere in that grey area middle is is the right it's the right way to do it. But it's it's a it's a tricky thing to get. As long as no one's getting hurt, you know, normal behaviour. If no one's getting hurt, so obviously then we need we need stronger interventions if we're getting to a stage where uh, people are getting beaten up. But uh, most of the cases we deal with it's very low level stuff that yeah. can be uh, helped indeed indeed uh do you think greg would be proud of our moments i week? hope so i greg, really hope if you're so. out there get in touch we yeah. still haven't had an uh, an email <laughs> if anyone listening knows greg wallace that would be amazing <laughs> please tag please tag him so he knows that we are thinking of him on a uh, bi-weekly basis you know, we're, we're waxing lyrical about someone that probably no one knows about yeah yeah, Never we, mind. We still don't know if the listeners know, do we? Oh, well. <laughs> well, moving on. Well, I, well, maybe, well. Now we come to the moment. Yeah. The moment. The the crowning glory of our podcast history yet so far. Yeah. And not to you know in no. any way dilute the excitement that we had for all of our other guests. No. So far. Of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, but I hope they will all agree that oh my goodness, it's this a is biggie. exciting. 
Yeah, so we we were sat in my office uh, and uh, we, we, we go for a, a, a thing called Zoom, don't we? Zooming yep. in and uh, dialing up to speak to Jean Donaldson herself. Yep. And when she came, you have these little pinch pinch yourself moments, and that was definitely one for me. How amazingly lovely was she anyway? Yeah, she number was, one. She was brilliant, absolutely. They always say never meet your heroes. Well, I, I say meet more of them. Yeah. Depends who your heroes are, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. She she was fantastic. So, talk about yourself. And you're going to do, up a, yeah, you're gonna do her justice with our introduction here. Because, I mean, she's a, she's a lady that needs no introduction, really. Yes. But well, I'm going to do one anyway. Do one anyway, yeah. <laughs> because I love reading out loud. <laughs> so, Jean's bio. So, Jean is one of the top dog trainers in the world. And, I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. true. And has lectured extensively in the US, Canada, the UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand and Japan. She is a four-time winner, count them, one, two, three, four, of the Dog Writers Association of America's Maxwell Award. And her seminal book, and I don't think, you know, quite often that word gets used, but in this case, yeah. her seminal book, um, The Culture, Culture Clash, Clash, was yeah. named number one training behaviour book by the Association of Pet Dog Trainers. And like I said before, you might be wondering why they're not covering The Culture Clash. Go out and buy it. It's amazing. If you haven't read it, it's brilliant. But Might as well just buy all of her books in buy one go. Books. Like, you know, Amazon yeah. do that bundle where it says people that like this, buy it. Just buy them, all. Just buy them all. Buy them all. You'll be doing yourself a favour, let's be honest. Um, bum, 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 bum. Her other titles are mine, the one we're talking about, A Guide to Resource Gardening Dogs Fight, and the other one we're talking about, A Guide to Dog to Dog Aggression. Dogs are from Neptune and all behave. I had to say it like that because you've got to, <laughs> that's the law. Dogs from Pavlov to Premap to Pinker. Is that talk about Stephen Pinker? That's a, that's a good book, that is. I haven't read it's, that one. It's, I can lend it to you if you like. Thank you. It's, um, that's what case, I need right case, now. More books yeah, in my life. It's, it's slightly differently structured because it's about cases. Ah, so okay. it's it's really good, really good. Interesting. Uh, her most recent book, Train Like a Pro, uh, was her first written training guide for a lay audience. In 2018, Jean authored and instructed Dog Training 101 for the Great Courses, uh, another resource for dog guardians. Before transitioning full-time to a pet dog training, Jean competed in dog sports with dogs of various breeds, earning numerous titles and wins, including loads of anacronyms that I'm going to mess up if I try to read, <laughs> as well as another anacronym. She ran a successful training school for 15 years, spent six years doing primarily referral aggression cases. She holds a degree in comparative psychology and is a keen student of evolutionary biology. All things that I think will come up in our yeah. uh, in our conversation with her because we were lucky enough to talk to her for a for a little while. We, we so, were you lucky people, and I'm sure you will not get bored and think how long are they talking to Jean Donaldson <laughs> for? Because we enjoyed every second, and we hope you will too. Here it comes. Here we folks. go. Thank you so much for. Oh, who was that? Someone just snuck round. We saw someone in the background there. That's Brian. 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 (laughs) Oh, I love the name Brian. (laughs) I've got a real thing for just just normal human names for dogs. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Someone put a picture up on our Facebook page today about their dog called Andy. I used to have a there used to be a three-legged dog down our local park called Eric as well he was brilliant (laughs) bless him (laughs) so yes thank you so much for agreeing to come on obviously for for me and that it's an absolute honour and we've been reading your books for a lot of our careers as dog trainers so thank you so much 
Oh, it's my pleasure. Oh, I'm glad. I don't know if you know um, about the idea, but the idea of our podcast is to, um, we talk all about the, the books that have either shaped our careers as dog trainers or books that we haven't read yet um, by people that we admire, people that we don't know, any, yeah. any books that kind of pique our interests because we think it's a really nice thing to get out there for people to, to, to read and understand these things themselves. Yeah, super. And um, we're we're trying to fill people's bookshelves with books yes. that provide yeah. scientific, uh, you know, evidence based uh, canine yeah. psychology, um, rather than some of the the books that might be available elsewhere. Yeah, there sure is a lot of fad out there. Isn't there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can say that again. Indeed. And actually, I was listening to um, a podcast uh, that you did uh, today, just to do a little bit of research, and you spoke about a really nice uh, way of putting it, which is that people need to be smart consumers when they're looking for a trainer and behaviorist, yeah. and yeah, um, really and obviously buy, buying books as well. Um, so I don't know if you can elaborate a bit on that for our listeners as to I mean obviously the UK and the US are slightly different but in terms of the regulations and and the um the bodies that we might have that you can join but I think the issues are the same aren't they yeah I mean the barrier to entry into dog training in this country is zero um anybody at all can tomorrow or today hang out a shingle take your money go into your house if you've got a large dog and small children make a make a big mess of it mm. um, and there's no professional ramification ditto the the barrier to sort of writing a book so um, it, you know anybody tomorrow the the guy painting my stairs tomorrow can write a book about dog behavior make up new words yeah um, <laughs> put it on the market and it, it and there will be people discussing it and wondering you know if we should you know think about this really carefully and you know so it, it's a pretty nutty atmosphere yeah and they can be beamed into our lounge on our tvs as well we've got um some some tv shows at the moment that are being transmitted that kind of um make me have to maybe change my patter slightly with some of my clients because they see these things you know before they've maybe booked me and they think actually we're getting a dog person in next week let's watch this tv show and then actually i'm backtracking on a lot of the stuff that they yeah i i mean one of the things that worries me the most is burnout so for the good dog trainers the people like yourselves who actually bother to find out what you're doing and do a good job and counsel effectively mm. that you've not only got which is it's already a difficult enough profession i mean there are high stakes there's danger there's dogs there's you know upset people uh, cl- clients rarely are uh, appraised when they get a dog of what kind of time and energy you know they're up for and then you go into somebody's house and they've been watching tv mm. um, <laughs> or reading nutty books and you've got to then try and undo all that yeah. Uh, and so, wow. I mean, I think dog training, we kind of deserve better. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I th- we were talking about that, oddly enough, burnout earlier on today. And I think it's it's a really important thing to to try and recognize when that might be creeping up on you, because yep. before you know it, you know, suddenly you've got no no actual emotions left to give and it's such an emotional job this right. one it, it, really it is so emotional yeah i mean doctor we've got to and by nature i think people who go into dog training are by nature kind of helpy types they like to yeah. help yeah. they yeah. like to care they like to take care of uh, and they're deeply connected to dogs and of course dogs are lower status in our society and so boy the, the recipe for burnout is already there 
Yeah, I think we have to really look after each other. And then when we see, um, you know, the the kind of network of people that we might have, perhaps not being as supportive of, as we all should, it's really hard, isn't it? It's, it it's- is. I mean, right, there's the trainers who use aversive stimuli. So, you know, we want to end that. Um, but then there's also friendly fire. So yeah. in yeah. the kind of, you know, educated, you know, g- you know, good guys, yeah. there's all manner of, of sort of fighting. And, and like you say, the support is really terrible. Um, that's one of the things that in academy that we try really hard to do in academy is, you know, have oases of safe, supportive, you know, both professionally supportive in terms of tech technical and emotionally supportive because the job is so tough. Yeah. I've I've got a few friends that have been through the academy and they can't sing the praises uh, more. You know, it, it sounds yeah, like an amazing the, place. So it's, yeah, the, I mean the emotional. To- I mean, it does us sort of. Well, I can't say it does us no good, but it's really sort of short-sighted to t- make people extremely technically proficient and then you know have them burn out within a few years yeah, yeah. you know that then we lose good guys to the cause and so you know when we invest education in people it's all we also want them to stay in the profession for the good of dogs because how many dogs they're going to help down the road but also because it's their one and only life you know and yeah, yeah and the quality of life of dog trainers you know we could, because we're so busy identifying with dogs and empathizing with dogs that sometimes we tend to self-sacrifice and and that worries me because that's you can only do that for so long before it's like you know what I can't I can't do this job anymore. Yeah, yeah, it it is difficult I think to keep the balance right and yeah. um for Secure yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hard and, enough doing that anyway, and then to have a profession where it, it is sort of taking things from you to yeah to have that self care kind of um, yeah. planned in is really important. You've made my mind Massively. up. I'm going to quit. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, get, get, you know, get self care in before you're on the verge of quitting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a holiday coming up actually, that, and, and we're going to oh, rural God. Wales, and I'm just, I'm ah. so looking forward to it because I'm, I'm just, uh, you're know, gonna be on the beach with my dogs, with <sighs> this tiny little cottage, we're gonna do some nice. Care. It's gonna be amazing. So. Yeah, all right, stop rubbing it in. <laughs> so we, we, we went to, we went together, both of our partners, um, as a little holiday this yeah, time last right. year, but we can't come this time because I've got a big wolfhound that I have to look after and he can't travel yet so maybe next year maybe next year um (laughs) but getting back to the academy um uh we have listeners all over the shop don't we and the good thing about your academy Jean is that it's online isn't it so if people were interested they could have a look do you mind telling us a little bit more about um what it offers and how people can get involved it used to be so for the first 10 years it was a live program so people would come for six weeks and we'd work them you know kind of around the clock um and then we reinvented it um so that we could make it a two-year program and a two-year program for most people uh, is prohibitive in terms of relocating um Mm -hmm. and so we designed it to be done online and one of the trade one of the things that we thought initially would be a trade-off was okay so the live coaching so we we were very picky about training technique how are we going to coach training technique and we said well we'll do it via video upload um and you know we thought that would be end up being a compromise versus live coaching but it's actually turned out to work really well because we can say to people look at 357 on video three you're doing this dog's doing this and and we can gradually coach them and marinate them um and we've got the time to do it we've got the granularity to do it and we can refer back to video um so it's actually turned out to work extremely well um and so we like that aspect Mm. um and it's a grueling course it's not a course that's for for everybody um you know we we you know we don't you know we're not trying to 
uh, assembly line practitioners. Yeah. So we're, we're which is good. It's, it's a quality in. course, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're smaller, so we we're ca- careful about who we take in, mm. and then we you know we we make them go through quite a lot of hoops. It's a pretty big commitment. Um, but at the end of it, you know, we're hoping we're trying to play the long game that over the long haul, what this profession needs is really thoroughly trained, lots of detail, lots of support. We don't need more, you know, well, I've been to some seminars and I can describe desensitization and counter conditioning, but the devil's in the details with all this stuff. It's kind of like saying, going to a, you know, a weekend seminar on surgery where they say, um, you know, keep everything really clean, you know, um, <laughs> make, render the patient unconscious, cut into them, take out the bit that's bad, staunch bleeding, sew them up and give them some antibiotics. Voila, you're a surgeon. Yeah. Because those are the principles. Yeah. But the problem is, uh, you know, there's an awful lot more to it. And so my worry about some of the practitioners out there is that they're, they're kind of at a level of they can talk a good game, but they, they're flummoxed if they come across anything that's that, that they haven't encountered before, they can't problem solve. They, their their understanding is a little bit too recipe based. Um, yeah. We try to give them principles and recipes, standard operating procedures, and then we give them. At the end of it, they get supervised practice. So in their early cases, we're hovering over them, um, so that you know that they really do know what they're doing. Um, and and so and that's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, it takes somebody who really is in you know in for the long game. Yeah. And it uh, it's a shame that it's not everybody's cup of tea and it should be more, I think. I think yeah. maybe there are It is complex. It's yeah, a complex completely. profession. Yeah. You and just, you just sold me. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> I think yeah, we we can't go in with a one size fits all, can we? It's just that's not life. Um and as long as you've got that theoretical understanding and the ability to apply it practically in different situations, then that's the way right. forward. That's exactly it. Yeah. And I th- I think certainly in the UK um a lot of um people practicing behavior are maybe um criticized for their lack of practical skill. Um and I count myself as a a trainer and a behaviorist and I don't think you can be any good at either of them without being good at both of them if that makes sense. Um, I I agree. Yeah, and and so um I don't know how you would kind of um, look at the skills and how you make sure that people coming out of the academy have that kind of myriad of, of skills so that they can apply their knowledge practically and, and basically help people, which is what we all right. want to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I often say to students and grads, you know, the client is the family, not the dog. Um, yeah. You know, we are in the client relief business, um, and then we've certainly got to juggle. I mean, because you know, dog welfare is extremely important. Um, uh, protecting the public safety is extremely important. Getting the job done so the dog is not ending up in a garage dead, mm-hmm. the rescue, etc., is important. Um, and then counseling people uh, who have no aspiration to be a dog trainer yeah. is also no no easy feat. Yeah. Um, and doing it effectively and getting all that, you know, I often say we're in the lemonade business and we're, we're usually constrained very much by people's time, energy. It doesn't mean they don't love their dog. It just means that they, you know, that if you bury the key bit of instruction in a 45 page theoretical report, which is, you know, you trying to make yourself look clinical, you're not going to get the job done. And yeah. if you don't follow up, yeah. you're never going to find out that you're not getting the job done and so on and so on. So there's, you know, we try to, you know, teach best practices and there's a lot, you know, of, of meat on those bones. Yeah, it sounds great. 
I talk, we were talking earlier, actually, you talk about sort of like getting into the minutia of things. One of oh, the reasons yeah. that I love mine is all of those, the, <laughs> the things that are laid out step by step, mm. bit by bit, minute yeah. section by minute section, building it up, being able to go back a stage if you need yeah. to. I mean, all of those things, that, that's what makes the book amazing for me because... Yeah, that, bo- that book, be- because it's a DIY, it's a do-it-yourself book. Yep. Generally speaking, when it's supervised by a pro, we use much chunkier plans in other words we can really cut a lot of corners out of there but because that book is being published as a do-it-yourself um even though there's all the you know usual sort of uh, uh caveats about you know make sure you're under supervision we know people are going to do it themselves and so we put in every conceivable split yeah. that there could be so it's very very granular um the good news for, for people, if they're going to be supervised by a pro, is that they don't have to do anything quite as detailed as that, unless they they want to, yeah. um, you know, and they want to cover those bases. But generally speaking, you don't have to. That's that's the the uh, it's the DIY cover all bases version yeah. of fixing object and food guarding. I think it's got a great sort of setup as well because it's right. um, it's saying you know this is this is a normal dog behaviour. It is. It's not pathological. I'm. I you know I I have sat in conference you know rooms and been told solemnly that if a dog behaves aggressively that it is necessarily pathology. It's possible, I and mean, it's possible a dog has got a neurological condition. It's possible he's got a brain tumor, etc. Uh, but the vast majority of time that when animals are behaving agonistically or they're behaving aggressively, um, it's basic software that they have to do with self-defense and competition over resources, and dogs are no exception. Um, when we watch Animal Planet on TV and we see you know, lions fighting it over, fighting it out over prides. And we see, you know, birds competing and we see, you know, um, uh, you know, we see, uh, uh, you know, the gazelle fighting back or the the water buffalo fighting back against the lion. We don't think, oh my God, what's wrong with this animal's behaving aggressively. It's happening in your living room. (laughs) It's not, that's right. And domestication (laughs) has definitely softened things up. You know I mean? Domestication has in the case of many breeds, not all breeds, <laughs> but in the case of many breeds, it's softened things up and we've got animals that are more docile and handleable and, and so on, but not in all cases, you know, I mean, there's plenty of competition over resources and there's plenty of, of self-defense going on. And it's our, and we as dog trainers, generally we're mopping things up because, you know, team genetics didn't breed it out. Um, and team early environment didn't, you know, didn't do enough prevention. And so we're coming in quite often to, to mop up the mess. And that's another thing I worry about for dog trainers is that, holy crap, if only there could be regulation of dog breeders who are selling animals as pets, because in 10 generations, they could put us out of the aggression business. Yeah. 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 And that'd be quite nice. That'd be a nice problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, rather than breeding accurate historical artifacts, um, you know, breed animals that are that are that are suitable for family pets. You know, but boy, is that ever a hot potato? You know, we probably shouldn't even go there. <laughs> Stay clear. Yeah. One, the, yeah. One of the things that I um, we we talked about we we do little sections on our podcast, and we've talked about there's a great bit about the fallacies of resource guarding, um, yeah. and we'll get to some of the stuff in fight as well. But um, one of the things I've always thought was really sad is that you know i think most people that that i see that have got a dog that's resource guarded or a lot anyway maybe i'm I'm throwing people under the bus here a little bit but a lot of them think it's it's rude it's a rude behavior 
and and they don't really they don't really take into account the dog's emotions in in that in right. that state. And I understand why it seems to make yeah, sense, yeah. but it, it's quite yeah. Sad. No, yeah, I think humans we take it sort of yeah we take it personally yeah. if the dog is somehow being um, you know he's being kind of cheeky um, as opposed to. Um, he's running old software. Mm. Um, and in fact, he's running that old software and it's kind of paranoid. And can you imagine feeling like, mm. you know, your, your, your hamburger or your, 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 your salad, that somebody sort of said, can I have a bite that you've got to sort of defend it, you know, physically, like that's no fun way to be, you know? So. Well, yeah, I do, I do what... actually have to live like that because if I buy a packet of hobnobs, unless I eat them all, <laughs> then they're gone. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> I get it. Yep. You know, I get it. So you've, you've already got the empathy. You've already got the empathy <laughs> yeah. covered. Exactly. Nat, Nat actually resource guards from her dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the other way around in my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I also, you know, understanding as well that, you know, this is a completely natural thing that's come down from, you know, yeah. from years and years of them. Yep. Again, we were yeah, talking yeah. About and sometimes scarcity. you can, and sometimes you can, you know, get the client, you know, a little bit, you know, kind of click the fascination in the client of, isn't it interesting how even though probably, especially if it's a dog that's been, you know, in sort of domestic non-feral circumstances for many generations, isn't it interesting how this odd bit of clunky software has been retained, even though it hasn't been serving the animal? Isn't that yeah. interesting? We often tell people, you know, I don't know if you, if you guys got Animal Planet channel over there. Uh, yes, pay. if you if you pay for Sky, which... yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it's so it's it's a pay for channel yeah. too. And we often say to people, you know, people pay money to get channels so they can watch animal behavior. You've got some animal behavior here in your own living room. Isn't oh, I like it? that. Interesting. I like yeah, that. And, yeah, and and provided nobody's getting hurt, and most of the time people are not getting hurt. Um, and it's a relatively easy to resolve problem compared to some of the other things that we deal with. Um, so all that makes it, you know, possible to kind of, you know, get the client kind of thinking like, wow, yeah, that is kind of interesting and don't take it so personally. Yeah. yeah. I, d I do think the emotions get involved, don't they? And they think, oh, yeah. you know, oh. if my dog loves me, why on earth would they no be growling gratitude. at me? You know? Where's the gratitude? I know yeah. I rescued this dog. I'm saying he gets this, he gets this. And in return, I get this. Yeah. 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 But I think a lot of it's just due to the fact that, we, you know, we, we have these big ape brains that aren't really geared up to, uh, totally. <laughs> to looking at looking at it like that. And we it is upsetting. Yeah, I mean, as much as we need to empathize with the dog, we can empathize with people too, because yeah. we have inherited software that animals with pointy teeth are fantastically dangerous, uh. um, and we, you know, and so we're all sort of fighting our evolutionary legacy. Um, and so it is at a very sort of deep level upsetting for us to have um, an animal, especially you know, an animal with pointy teeth, aggressing against us i was going to talk to you about fod yeah because <laughs> that's a i only came across it the other day and yeah. i was i can't remember what i was reading but as an interview you'd done before i think it might have been natural. a ryan cartilage's podcast the ryan cartilage's podcast the animal training it's completely Academy, it's, it's as natural as resource guarding and self-defense yeah. is for um, animals fod is part of our something we should say fear of dogs yes. so an inherent evolutionarily based fear of dogs uh, is in probably uh, um, most most or all normal people yeah same way i mean phobias are not random you know we don't fear motor vehicles we don't you know the way we ought to uh, we don't fear heart disease the way we ought to we don't fear cancer the way we really ought to most 
you know, acute phobias are to do with heights, enclosed spaces, spiders, yeah. animals with pointy teeth, because these are the things when there was bottleneck pressure on us, you know, 100,000, 200,000 years ago, these are the things that picked us off before reproductive age. And so we have inherited good, very robust and well-serving then um, software to fear dogs. Um, and that's something that, that you know, it, it is better acknowledged. If we don't acknowledge it, it's going to then interfere. It's going to throw kind of a wrench into the machinery of, especially professionals, we're trying to do our jobs and we get upset. Then we tend to overreact. We lose our cool and we're not really aware of it. And then we tend to sort of blow up yeah. non-injurious aggression in dogs. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the FOD syndrome in a nutshell. I think it's a really interesting concept to always have in the back of your mind as well that um you know it's we've we've evolved it's to normally fear sharp yep. teeth you know yep. um and I I've I'm I'm very lucky I haven't had any bad incidents you know I'm obviously very careful with the way that I work with my clients mm-hmm. um but I'm always thinking okay safety what would happen yeah. if this dog did go what would right. i do how would i move out of the way um yeah. i'm watching them carefully for any movements and you know especially when you're getting to know a dog and you don't really know the buttons at all yeah. you know and yeah. i think assuming um that you know all dogs are man's best friend and placid yeah. and is it can kind of take you down a path that is yeah. potentially unsafe not that we should be wandering around worrying that all dogs are right. <laughs> potential menaces yeah and it's very it's normal. the balance I mean, isn't uh, it um, many years ago uh dunbar said dogs are animals and animals bite um, yeah. and they bite in very you know predictable circumstances they bite when they feel threatened they bite when they're competing over resources and they bite when they're acquiring food um and so um, the good news about dogs is that, you know, if we get play our cards right, most of the time dogs warn us before biting. Yeah. And most of the time they bite us, they bite us to the level of, you know, a kitchen injury. Yeah. 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 And I think even, it, I mean, that amazes me when uh, all my dogs get on pretty well, but, you know, they have the odd argument Squabble. over a piece of dust or something that's really not worth yep. it but you know um and it amazes me and maybe this is a bit of a morbid fascination but they sound like they are killing each other <laughs> they do. and you know i have learned what's serious and what isn't and i'll either leave them to it or i'll step in and there's yep. there's never anything on them and uh, the the level of control they have over these mahusive jaws is yeah. amazing it fascinates yep. me it is fascinating I did. I did all Jack Russell when she's playing tug on a cat. I mean, she goes for that. She loves playing raggy games, and she's endlessly fascinating me. She's, she was killing it early, wasn't she? The proper yeah. like terrier death oh, shake. She, she's, yeah, got, yeah. she's got a particular toy, uh, toy called Crunchy Pig, which she really, really likes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's going pig at Crunchy, crunchy pig. pig, and and sometimes she'll get my hand sort of accidentally if she goes in too hard. But the second she feels it, you feel her oh, the wow. tension come off yeah. of her jaw, and her bite inhibition yeah. is just incredible yeah. and i love it isn't I love that, that something yeah. i know i know i know it, it's a marvelous thing and you know if you think about it that kind of precision control over that kind of weapon yeah yeah it's Absolutely amazing amazing yeah all down to sort of socialization and habituation when they're yeah. younger as well which is obviously right. why massive subject as well so i mean yeah. i mean obviously we're, we're wandering over into the fight we side are. of things aren't we yeah. Yeah. so uh, i love the the tarzan the tarzan term it's the you know yeah. it's the the and we're going to talk about it a bit more yeah. afterwards um but um i think what what i'm seeing with my client base at the moment is the kind of 
not necessarily seeing the Tarzans themselves, but seeing the dogs that have met Tarzan down the park. And bless them, those owners have then come to me thinking their dog is the one with the issue um, because they've been jumped on one too many times. And then finally, their their little placid dog that's lovely and, you know, has turned around and gone, that is enough. Um, And Tarzan's owner goes... Oh, you should get that dog seen too you know and um that seems yeah, to yeah. be the bulk of my workload at the moment and it always surprises me because i sort of let them out with my dogs after initial assessments and, and everybody's getting on brilliantly and i have lots of tears yeah. in the field of them going oh my yeah. dog is normal and i don't know whether that's something you see in your caseload and it is okay normalizing is such a huge part of our i mean normalizing the normal we don't want yeah. to normalize the not normal yeah. <laughs> yeah and sometimes we have to normalize things and say yeah it's normal but we're still going to work on on it um yeah uh, so you know we, we we walk a lot of tight ropes in our profession and definitely sort of even some stuff that has a developmental onset so there are many dogs who are when they're really young they'll play with all comers they mm-hmm. play with everybody they play raucously they don't care they don't care if a dog comes up to them and, and steamrolls them it's all good then sometime between the age of of one and three, they start to become a little more discerning. They're not, not sure who they want to play with everybody. They play less overall. And then they start doing what you're described, which is mm. if the dog comes on a little too strong or even if the dog comes on normally and they say, Argh! you know, like, leave me alone. Don't, you know, not right now, please. Yeah. Uh, and that owner is like, oh my God, my dog is ruined. Now my dog is aggressive. And and our job is to say, no, no, you know, it's, once we unpack it and we where we can assure ourselves that that's in fact what's going on, we can just say, look, you know, your dog is reaching an age where, where she's just no longer juvenile. And, and now, you know, sometimes she did they just want to say no. And she's done it in a very species normal way. It's nobody got hurt. She just yeah. said no. And that's how dogs say no. And sometimes you can use analogies like, you know, there was a time when I went to dance clubs and now the very thought of that is like ridiculous. Um, when I was, <laughs> yeah, when I was, I'm there. You know, yeah, well, right. When I was seven years old, if somebody had just, you know, come up to me and, and put their hand on me or planted a kiss on my forehead, I probably would have, you know, mm. now if somebody did that, you know, I'd excuse me, you know, yeah. um, do you mind? And, and those are normal developmental changes. The, the problem is that when we see dogs do it in their normal way, we look, we put it all in one bucket, aggression or yeah. problem. Or, yeah. And, you know, and some of it really is just, you know, at the level of arguing squabbles, that's how dogs say no. Uh, and it can, and it definitely changes over time. Um, there are some dogs who are, um, crazy players for life but most dogs reach a social maturity where they are going to become they're not always going to say yes and that can be a rude shock for for owners and now it's our job to say no this is not a slippery slope towards her being fearful or crazy or not it's just normal um and and that can be a gift that we give owners is for them to understand like you said sometimes the owner is so relieved to find out that their dog is normal and and just and that in fact it, it, you know that's a good time to bring up fod is to say the way that dogs say no push buttons in us um but in fact in dog culture they, they all handle it very well yeah and I, I guess in, in the US, you might have more of that because of the the sort of, I don't know much about it. So the, the general kind of dog park mentality and you have a different way of walking your dogs. And um, here we do obviously have green spaces that are parks yeah. and people go there and they stand in the middle and all the dogs are playing. And that tends to be the situation yeah. where these dogs have these saying no and then it becomes an issue. Um, do you find that? 
happens a lot with the dog parks set up in in the US? It does. And well, there's a variety of kinds of dog parks. Some dog parks are very much sort of hiking trails. And so dogs are kind of meeting. Some dog parks are are sort of a static area where dogs tend to be, I mean, the people who attend those tend to be self-selected. They've got playful dogs, well-socialized, et cetera. Uh, Occasionally somebody will go in um, who is got, um, you know, if they happen to have a dog who says no and they've got some latent fod, um, those are the people who then go home sort of, you know, even though their dog is probably okay, traumatized um, and right. thinking, oh my God, dog park. And then they start, you know, dog parks are the devil and dog parks are terrible, etc. Our dog parks are ruining dogs. And I, you know, I've just not seen that. I, I'm, I'm on the side of, I think some of the people who are screaming that dog parks are somehow dangerous and, and ruining dogs. If that's the case, how come I'm? Not, how come I haven't seen it? And I've attended uh, scores of dog parks. Yeah. Um, so, so we're probably seeing the same things. And in some cases, people are interpreting that as 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 a disaster. And other times, I'm just interpreting this dog saying no. Now, there is something that can happen. So, if you have a dog who is unpadded, and padded, I mean with the D, P A D D E D. So, it's a dog who you know has had a paucity of social experiences. Maybe he didn't have tons of puppy play because you know, he's being cloistered and sequestered and, and somebody's being very precious with him uh, and then gets a certain age. And that dog has got limited dog experience and goes to a dog park. And if that dog's you know, first experience or his third experience with dogs is a dog saying no or being come on to too strong, that dog could very well develop a fear or, or a worry or something. That's not because of dog parks. That's because an owner failed to generate a wealth of good positive experience when their dog was a puppy and a young dog so that when the inevitable happens and there's a bad experience that dog does not develop a strong fear that dog says whoa you know that like, it's that dog rather than dogs in general yeah um so and that, it's, it's that's no buffer, that, that is that's worrying me yeah and and i think that that worries me because there is a one of the latest fads i don't know if you've had it in the uk is this idea that you know we mustn't quote unquote, over socialized puppies, we've got to be careful. Maybe they should be doing downstays and they shouldn't have free play. And like that is malpractice. I mean, that is fantastically dangerous advice. All the existing research is in lockstep that early socialization, um, uh, free play, uh, you know, good experiences, provided that we do consent tests and we monitor the play and we don't yeah. let puppies get destroyed, that that is the the padding that sets them up for being able to withstand the inevitable things in life when something bad happens to them. Um, and keep, you know, trying to put puppies in bubbles, you know, um, is not the way to go. Uh, so, uh, I, 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 I don't know if I've gone off topic here. No, you haven't. It's brilliant. No. It's it's so yeah. interesting. And I d- we do have the same issues here. And I think um, maybe when we have a response to something, things swing too far the other way. Yeah. And so um, what we have we see with puppies over here is um, you, you either get the molly coddling, you know, the keeping the puppy in a bubble, um, and then they don't have the the um, wealth no of padding. experience. Exactly, no padding. Uh, I like that. It's a nice way of putting it. Um, yeah. But then, <laughs> yeah, then we also have um, a lot of uh, just going up and greeting every single dog on a lead all the time, um, yeah. and then potentially an adult dog saying no, but not in a particularly 
uh, restrained yeah. way, and then that puppy having a bad experience. So we could, yeah. we need somewhere well, that, in the middle, don't yeah, we? Yeah. Well, that seems to me that you know, there's this thought that well, if you know, we dogs meet too many dogs, they're going to become you know social crazy. It's like, well, are you unable to teach basic manners? You can't teach a <laughs> yeah. dog to walk yeah. on leash. You yeah. know, like you you have to under socialize the puppy so that he doesn't. You know, like I I I have a hard time computing this idea that you know that the dog isn't going to you know because of course he's going to eventually be told no yeah um uh, but that's of course uh, you know that's going to take care of itself uh, and then dogs will become more circumspect and they're going to develop with age but this idea that you know in order the way that we're going to teach manners is we're going to get dogs to be just ever so slightly fearful because then they're not going to want to go up to dogs like are you <laughs> that, that that like really that's yeah. your advice yeah. yeah you know we want the dog to be asocial or completely um handler centric so the dog is going to be focused on me and to me that's kind of this old school insecurity that you know we people used to have which is the dog has to be under control under control i don't want the dog to be having fun if i'm not at the middle of it i'm this planet and the dog is a satellite around me yeah. you know uh and if the dog is off having fun over there he's quote unquote out of control and i'm an irresponsible owner um you know that's that's so 1975 it's not funny you know and now i think people are aware that they can't do that because we're not allowed to hammer dogs so now we say well it's for the dog's own good that you know he doesn't get to you know have any kind of unrestricted play because he's then going to eventually get a comeuppance and it's going to be terrible and we're all going to die <laughs> you know like, not, well, the, not that we're catastrophizing second. at all it, you know, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've said yeah, it before. Oh, oh, he's gonna, oh my God, he's going to be out of control. He's going to expect to meet every dog and then he might pull on leash. You can't fix pulling on leash. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're purporting to be like a high level trainer. And you can, I mean, in terms of like the stuff that we have to fix, basic manners, you know, sit, look at me, don't pull on leash. I yeah. mean, if you can't fix that stuff, you need another job. I mean, that's the bread and butter. Yeah. 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 I always say I've said it before on the podcast, but my the favourite part of my week we do a we, it's called a puppy conversation session, and it's it's off lead socialisation, um, all all very well managed and very. But basically, I'm going yeah. around commentating on what the dogs are doing, and yeah, it's oh, narrated just play, so yeah. much fun, and um, yeah. I can't believe I get paid for doing it sometimes. And uh, but <laughs> people find it massively valuable because everyone it comes is. in quite tight chested to right. that environment That's and right. just like I don't know what play looks like I don't know my dog's growling right. is that okay what and they, they want to they want to grab their dogs don't yeah. they it's like That's no right. that's okay they're still all yeah. right it's and I right. love yeah. seeing their confidence grow each week if they come there so you get yeah. a dog that's not so confident and we'll, we'll split them up into different paddocks yeah. depending on confidence that's right yeah yeah and it's beautiful yeah I mean recently this this idea that if a puppy is shy should not be in puppy class, you know, as opposed to, wait a second. I mean, I, I don't know how many puppy classes I've but done a lot of them. Let's compare that puppy in week one to, to week, week three, two, yeah, or three yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and let, you know, as long as we're competent, you know, and let that puppy watch from the sidelines, not be steamrolled, but let his curiosity gradually expand and his fear gradually habituate and then it's just going to happen the answer to those puppies is not to sequester them and i'm going to go down fighting on this one because the research is unequivocal i'll put you on the spot now then gene what would you say would be the, the two most or maybe three most important things you would teach in puppy class um a socialization to people so strangers that mm -hmm. strangers are good strangers are wonderful strangers you know move they carry umbrellas they walk they touch you etc mm -hmm. um free play with other puppies yep. to get that padding in you yep. know um so that eventually you know when something nasty happens that puppy doesn't blame 
the world of dogs that puppy blames that particular dog. Um, second thing. And third thing, uh, I guess probably body handling husbandry, because um, that's something where you it's somewhat time sensitive. Manners, I know that the owners want manners and you can yeah. do some manners. Yeah. You can do some, you know, sit down, stay, come heel, you know, whatever you want to do, leave it and wait. and, and uh, But those things are not time sensitive and neither is potty training. Um, yeah. So, you know, so we got to give them some of what they want. It's so difficult, isn't it? Trying need. to get that balance right. It's really yeah, difficult. We, yeah, yeah. That, you know, we've got to get people to come to class and they're, yeah. they're coming in and they're, they're staring at you saying, how can I get this thing to stop urinating? How can I get it to stop biting me? Um, and that's actually another thing. Bite inhibition training yeah. probably is important. It's believed still that that might be time sensitive, although nobody really knows. Uh, but the more prudent course, given that we don't know how that develops, um, whether it is genetically um, composed or partly done with early environment as Dunbar has been teaching for years, because we don't know that the prudent course of action is to presume that we should be doing it because um, the, the, the false uh, negative there to say, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then it ends up mattering. Um, it means we have a dog with a hard mouth at age two that we could have uh, improved. So um, the prudence dictates that we work on that. Um, so yeah, I would say that. I mean, you could probably do, you know, food bowl and anti-object guarding exercises, but because those are relatively easy fixes, because um, you only gave me three items, I'd say... Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, well, it's good. Socialization to people, socialization to other dogs, free play, and then uh, body handling, husbandry procedures. Teach dogs to love yeah. all manner of body handling. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Well, I find it a bit difficult over in, in, I don't know what it's like where you are at the moment, but in England, I, I think I would rather do a lot of my puppy classes sort of in an outside environment, but I don't. Uh, I do I do quite a few yeah. inside because of the weather uh, in England and, you know, right. and our, our, oh, our long yeah. winters. It's disgusting over here at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere and is it, just So that's not because of disease fears. That's because of the weather. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, w- I would probably do a half and half when they'd had their vaccinations yeah, and then yeah. move to an outside environment. Yeah. But oh, that's yeah. exactly yeah. why we do the puppy conversations thing, because it gives us that free bit. But then some people don't right. take up that side of things and yeah, it, yeah. it can become quite difficult but i see because obviously in dunbar you know um always sung the praises of off lead puppy classes and, and i can really yeah. see that i can really see the benefits yeah. of that but i think i find it difficult yeah. environmentally sometimes yeah. yeah it's tricky when you've got a mixed ability of your handlers as well isn't it which you have in a group class yeah. um and so you i mean that's that's our job really there to coach yeah. them isn't it um and it, it's tricky i I loved the bit in um, in Fight as well about it's really important to recruit people. Yeah. And I think I see that as part of my job. So I end up doing a lot more um, kind of adult dog aggression type cases. Um, so we're not going to end up being in a field and letting them all off and see what happens. It's a little bit, it's, it's more structured <laughs> than that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but my clients then become the the network and the recruiter for uh, you know our little gang of people that can come and be stooges and it's it's a really really lovely network that we've got going because also it it then becomes a human support network so you know when i've got a new client coming in and they feel alienated and ostracized and all they get on walks is size and looks because their dogs dare to bark you know um and they just feel that no one's on their side um 
and it, it's re- it's a really important part of our work I think is to it is. help people yeah. and coach them through the emotional side of it as well I feel terrible when people you know are are treated badly you know because their dog does something you know that way and they're they're actually working on it and they're trying to get beyond it but um you know people are are unkind to them that's just yeah mm. a lot of the time it, it literally is just barking as well i mean that dog is right. going through a lot of stress and, frustration yeah yeah, and, yeah. There, and there will be some issues we need to work on but we're not talking about dogs that are you know running three football fields across and then nailing a dog right right and yeah and sending dogs to the veterinarian yeah exactly this is yeah, yeah. this is just oh your dog barked at my dog as we walked past oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so i do oh. think we give each other a tough time sometimes don't we in, we do in, in the dog yeah. world yeah people are very good at, at making other people feel bad brilliant they're brilliant at it. <laughs> yeah. it's one of our special skills yeah seriously it's what we're trying to we're trying to move away from isn't it steve-o so we're trying to um promote positivity and when we see something someone doing something nice with their dog in public we go i really like the way you did that with your dog and that's lovely yeah although they stare at me weirdly when i do that so you know i I get away with it a bit more i think yeah because it's so so culturally odd yeah like what I did something good. I thought you were going to tell me off. No, I was just coming over to say that was really right. nice. <laughs> uh, we, we've yeah. actually, we've got something in common, Jean, that I wanted to bring up as well. We uh, we both started uh, playing music. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you were, what instrument did you play? A uh, piano. A piano. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, I, I used to be in a band yeah, um, I got it. before yeah. I was a dog trainer. Hey, oh, there, 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 there we go. Hey. Oops. Yeah, I, I was interested to ask, actually, did you take, because I found coming from, so I used to be in a band, I found some of the the, the skills transferring from being a musician into oh, yeah. a dog trainer kind of, yeah, yeah. kind of went hand in hand. And the two that I really found were, were really beneficial were the diplomacy of trying, because I used to be one of two songwriters, so trying to get your idea across. So becoming an actual sort of like, sort of a you know, human communication um, in that respect, but also the patience and the consistency of, of practice having to learn yeah practice having to learn an instrument yeah. or something i mean i was yeah, in a, rep, i was in a punk repping band, it out so, um, so i didn't yeah i didn't have to learn too much of my instrument but uh, you know <laughs> I, was yeah, a guitar I, gr- I agreed yeah people who come from musician uh musical background sports dance etc they've they've already got an understanding of practice um, that you know reps 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 yeah. again and again and again and again and again um, that I think is so valuable in dog training um, so often um, people who are not familiar with dog training um, view a correct response and assume knowledge so now the dog knows yeah. and now subsequent disobedience is got to have a big reason and agenda when in Stop fact them. it's just mm. it's just yeah it's just a right yeah. response or wrong response that you know people you know you often don't appreciate the amount of reps um that that it takes uh, and and it's boring for this we we love it i mean you know or, or we're willing we're either willing to do it or we love doing it and um, we just do that and we have this thing called curse of knowledge um where we assume people could just come we say you know practice and they practice and they'll do one or two if you've watched people in class i did a study on this in the early 90s <laughs> You watch people in class, you tell them to do this now practice and you give them like a few minutes to practice and you're going around and coaching them. But many of the people will do it once, sometimes badly, and yeah. then they'll be checking their phone, you know? <laughs> 
I, I've got into a habit of asking people to put like five treats in your hand yeah. so that they so you've got to count it out right. when you've done right. five you know then we can that's move right. on the next yeah time. yeah that's right yeah and people are like oh that was exhausting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I did think, and, and actually the diplomacy skill of how to talk and how to get your ideas in without being right. confrontational. Oh, yeah. Counseling is a whole ball of wax, you know, aligning with clients, gaining rapport, helping them through the rough bits, including breaking the news to them that, that you know, there's going to be some practice and there's going to be some time. And even if you do everything right, you know, the, there's going to be, you know, two steps forward, a half a step back. Sometimes there's plateaus, there's regressions, you know, and, and, and sort of supporting them through this process. It's not for the faint of heart, you know, and there's a lot of technique to that. So um, kudos to you for being able to translate your, like you said, uh, conveying songwriting ideas to, to a fellow bandmate and translating that into trying to, you know, get your idea across to a human client. I got kudos from Gene Donaldson. You did. I'm there going. She's go. going. Mic drop moment there. Steve's done. Steve's retired. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, I mean, um, in terms of, I, I mean, re, just going back to the resource carding thing because I, I did have a, a, one more question. In terms of preventative measures yeah. in puppies, I mean, obviously things like uh, teaching retrieves. Swaps? Would you would you say teaching swaps and things like that is important in yeah in I, as well? yeah I think so and, yeah and I think it's real, I mean in terms of sort of client effort it's relatively what we call cheap it's cheap behavior yeah. um, that they should you know when the dog's eating go approach the dish put a dollop of something better. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, try and do it once a day, you know, and then we maybe they do it every couple of days, but still we're going to get some benefit. Um, and now that needs to be studied, by the way, we don't, nobody knows whether that prevention works. Mm -hmm. It seems logical, um, yep. but it'd be nice to know if it actually works. Uh, we know the behavior mod that's got the desensitization portion of that in works. So we're sort of thinking that the counter conditioning portion of that um, ought to work on, on non-guarding puppies, but nobody knows but it's a cheap thing to do it's a good piece of advice um so get them to do that and then when the puppy's chewing a bone go take it away give them a bonus give the bone back um it is a good piece of hygiene that um i think we should be you know telling people to do regularly and then just like, unpack it for them and tell them that you know you're teaching the dog that it's not scary it's not the end of the world that he doesn't have to be paranoid that in fact it's a good thing we're, we're teaching him that we're safe and we're friendly and mm -hmm. we give bonuses um and then it'll also get people to be empathetic and and you know uh, and that that is i think you know a, a battle worth winning yeah I think it's so easy to teach our dogs to be worried about our approach, isn't it? Especially with little baby puppies, because yeah. when they are, oh my goodness, I've got this new little puppy, and they pick something up. Oh my god, what have they got? What have they got? What have they got? Right. And and you're so right. you're, even if you're not approaching and grabbing right. it out of their mouth, you're still looking and watching yeah. and peering. And yeah. yeah, it's easy to sensitize yeah. them to it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Puppies are babies, you know, yeah. um, and they're they're and very often because you know, they haven't been around very long and they've not had much experience with people. They're often experiencing the first time, the first time. And in, in Pavlovian conditioning uh, theory, it's called the Rescorla-Wagner model of Pavlovian conditioning, the bang for buck you get from conditioning reps, the very first one is massive. Um, and so the very first time that the puppy is approached with an object, the very first time that, that you grab the puppy, the very first time that what then happens is really important. And the more that we can 
take control of that process and not just let it be rando. So, you know, oh, the first time he did it is because he had something dangerous. So I had no choice but to yank it out of his mouth. I had no choice but to yell at him. I had no choice but to, uh, you know, why not let's take control and grab puppies and, you know, take things away from them and then give them, you know, a, a hidden piece of chicken, etc. Boy, could we get banged for buck by recognizing, first of all, they're babies. So they're believed to be in a sensitive period where they're especially plastic, especially spongy. Mm-hmm. And it's a first time. So from a classical conditioning perspective, it packs a lot of punch. So boy, oh boy, you know, puppies are, are little gold mines if we get it right. There's so much really, isn't there? Oh, yeah. No, no wonder it can go wrong so easily. (laughs) I know. And sometimes you'll see, like, in schools, people will say, you know, puppy class is the one that you'll delegate to the the least experienced uh, trainer in the the school. I would say, you know, puppy class is the one where you want to make sure you've got somebody competent um, because, you you know, it's so important um, that I don't think it's the – I mean, it, it can be the one where it feels like fun. Like, I mean, Steve said, you know, you're, you're sort of, am I being paid for this? You know, they're playing and you're <laughs> narrating and, and, but then, then you earn your keep yeah. when something is going wrong and you need a consent test or a puppy is afraid or somebody's got a question or there's a squabble, etc. Mm-hmm. That's when it's important that you've got somebody who knows what they're doing to not hash that up. Yeah. I think the stakes are really high in a puppy class, exactly. but the, the owners feel that the stakes are pretty low. Yeah. Whereas right. when right. I when I'm working on behavior cases, the stakes are high and the owners know it's high because the yeah. dog's bitten someone, you know. Right. So that's, I'm going right. in from a different point of view, yeah. really. That's right. Um, yeah, and it's a and it's a bit. It's a large dog. It's an adult dog, and and they've had the pants scared off them. Yeah. Um. It, you know, I've often said to you know owners, especially if they've got a, a puppy of a, a spooky breed or a breed that's prone to this or that, and you you know and you lay on them the prevention they should be doing, and now oh, I didn't get around to it this week. Oh, I'm you know so yeah. busy, and you know, and I really can't we just talk about host training, etc. Um, and say to people, you know, you know, I, w- I was, you know, last week sitting across from the kitchen table. Um, one of our trainers in Academy, Christy Benson, tells the story of sitting across from the, the owner who's crying at the kitchen table because the dog's got problem X or Y that could have been mm-hmm. prevented had they done that. Uh, and sometimes, you know, a, a story like that can can shake people out of their, their you know, sort of, uh, you know, kind of uh, procrastination mm-hmm. and get on it, you know. Uh, an, an eight-week-old puppy is one week older than a seven-week-old puppy. A 10-week-old puppy is one week older than a nine-week-old puppy, you know, and, and we know how, how fast days yeah, and weeks go a by. Lot can happen, yeah. You know, and, and now, um, you, you know, it's believed, when I first started in dogs, it was believed that we had until 16 or 18 weeks. Um, then that became about 12 weeks. Now, the best uh, information we have is that, that we're pushing our luck at eight weeks, um, especially with precocious breeds. And so we've got to, you know, put our foot on the accelerator here. Yeah, I've yeah. read I've read some stuff from um, German shepherds is down to six, isn't it? Sometimes yeah, in yeah, some of the yeah. studies, nice people haven't even got. Yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> yeah. they're still with the breeder. So again, goes back to what you were saying earlier. Right. Even more important is the role yeah. of the the breeding environment. Yeah, yeah that's right. The right. early experiences. That's right. Yeah, not just breeding. I mean, it, wouldn't it be nice if German shepherd breeders said we're going to breed dogs who are sociable, um, yeah. as opposed to you know guard dogs. Yeah. Um, and like you say, they've got them at, at critical early days, you know, so those breeders who actually do aggressive socialization are worth their weight in gold. Mm. It's a, And again, another issue that I tend to, tend to see a lot of is that there's no other industry like it in the world, I don't think, where 
everyone has got an opinion. So I, I always say to I say to all of my all of the people in my puppy classes, if you have a question or if someone at the school gates gives you a bit of advice and it seems like the best thing in the world, run it past us. You, you're paying me. You're not paying right. Bob the plumber, you know, who's had dogs his whole life. And I, and I come against that so much because, oh, because, I know. because my mum told it's... me I've got to leave them crying. Then but suddenly right. three weeks down the line, right. I'm going there because, you know, they can't leave their yeah. dog alone. And... Everybody thinks they, you know, it's kind of like, I, I, I can't, I think I read something where, um, hundred percent or ninety nine percent of people think they're better than average driver, which is which is just it's numerically impossible. <laughs> most people think they know more than most people about dogs because they've had one, and you've probably heard the one. Well, I've had teeth my whole life, therefore I'm a dentist. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it, you it's know, it, it is. Now, partly we have to lay that at our own doorstep that our profession has been blowing it for decades um we've not yeah. had consistent messaging there's been no educational requirements there's been no uh uh you know uh, competence requirements you know there's no consumer protection etc um and so you know in a way we've we're partly to blame that we need to get our act together um and then you know we, you know so we can't control that the, the hairdresser and the plumber are going to you know, tell people how to train their puppies but but we need to you know what are the best practices um and let's get them out there and you know hold dog trainers accountable yeah yeah and i think we also have a role in keeping it about the methods and not people so we have you know when there right. is sort of this friendly fire yeah. yes it's, it's talking about the the methods yeah. And I think, yeah, that, and that's so important. This basic, it's a basic um, professional courtesy, which is ideas are up for scrutiny. They need to withstand scrutiny. They need to withstand critique, attack, etc. People are not. Yeah. Um, so, you know, character attacks, ad hominem attacks, no good, but ideas uh, should be scrutinized. Yeah. I think yeah. that that is the massive difference, isn't it, between kind of academia and social media? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, social media. Yeah, yeah, man. Because you could sit around a table of academics and they're, they're all, you know, they're very passionate, they're shouting, but then yeah. we all go for a coffee afterwards. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. It's not a personal attack. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think if people... Oh, yeah, some of the cruelty on social media, yeah. you know, and, and empire building and people setting themselves up as experts and so on is, is really quite scary. Oh, but God, like you say, yeah. it's easily done, isn't it? It's it's, it's it is. easily done at the moment. Um, yeah. And the the last thing I think that we need to um, worry about is seeming kind of elitist if we want regulation. I think regulation right. is about safety for everybody and yeah. professionalising our profession. Um, yes. I think it's it's kind of the next way forward, really, isn't it? Yeah. Being held accountable as well. Are we... Um, I, again, I listened to. Um, oh, I read this. I read an interview with you where you were talking about. I, I, I equate it to something we've got in uh, in our country called Witch Magazine, which basically <laughs> it's it's a consumer magazine where you oh, can yeah. you can not find wi- the not, best washing machine. Not a witch the... round a cauldron. Right. No, we yeah. have that. <laughs> yeah, 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 we it's called cons- here. It's called Consumer Reports. Okay, it's yes. a magazine. Yeah, yeah, and you were saying how you don't you don't get that in dog training, which seems a bit no. bizarre. And when I heard what? you say yeah. that, I was like, how how good? That what a great idea. One that... of these days, yes. Consumer reports who are very, very, you know, fussy about which amplifier, you know, works <laughs> yeah. the best. Yeah. And very fussy dryer. about, you know, nail clippers and so on. Why have they not blown the lid off dog training? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't. I, if ever I'm buying a new washing machine, I always go. My, my <laughs> mum collects this magazine. She's got about right. four hundred of them. And if I give her a mission right. washing machine, she's on it. She loves it. She absolutely <laughs> loves it. Yeah, right, so. exactly. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're just going to look at everybody's advertising. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'll be honest; it's mostly word of mouth where I get my totally my clients yep. from. Yeah. yeah, me too. Pretty much. Some vet practices. Yeah. But it's not a yeah, yeah. consistent, you know, this is how I found you, which yeah. is the way yep. way it would be good to go forward. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. Looking forward to that bright future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, In our lifetime, yeah. We're coming yeah. up to an hour, so we'll, we'll let you go, Jean. But thank oh, you again. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, guys. So it's been so lovely speaking to you. You're absolutely oh, thanks wonderful. thanks for the invitation. No, you guys you. are fantastic. Thank you for saying yes. It's, we yeah. can believe it. I was like, I've just got an email from Jean Donaldson. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> and then you meet me and the reality sets in. No, it's you're brilliant. <laughs> we've, we've been Live blown away since we've been doing this. Everyone's so open to coming and talking to us. It's, it's just, fa- it's you know, fab. It's have to keep pinching ourselves sometimes. Yeah, it's so oh, it's good. fun. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, we get to have a great time and then the listener feedback is brilliant. So we're, you know, okay. getting more good books on people's shelves, which is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Plus just getting people to read it all, you know, on the internet age <laughs> yeah. to, you know, use books, you know. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Well, you're very welcome. Your Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Right. all. Have a wonderful day. Bye now. Thanks. Bye. Well, what can we say? That was my bugle. Did we sound like we were Star children? <laughs> I, I got kudos from G. Donaldson. You did, yeah. You're going to put that on your website under your list of I'm going to tattoo it on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Uh, thanks again, Jean. Yeah, thank you, Jean. Um, absolutely amazing. I hope you enjoyed that. Fooks out there. Uh yeah, I, I can't can't thank you enough. So, <gasps> book slam moment. Now we're we're, we're I mean that the the Gene Donaldson interview was quite a long one there. So we're we're going to go with one. Yeah. One and apparently Nat's picked a. Well, I've gone slightly off piste because we've talked about two books. Gene's got other books as well, and um, I wanted to just end on a really good high. Um, and I wanted to just read this bit. So. Um, it's about uh, recruiting uh, people to help with dogs. So, um, although it is possible to make gains by working opportunistically, i.e. by exploiting those chance encounters with people or dogs that occur in everyday life, the degree of control over stimulus intensity is usually poor. This not only may slow progress down, but can even be counterproductive. Also, there's not usually the chance for multiple trials in succession, and the number of trials may be too small to make any significant progress. For these reasons, having a pool of people or dogs to recruit for training sessions is invaluable. And I just wanted to give a shout out to all of my lovely trainer, behaviourist, clients, friends, dogs, cats, anyone that has ever helped with stooge work because, you know, we are the, the team that can help people and the only way we can do that is as a team. So thank you. A round of applause. Is that all right? Nat had a passionate face on then. I did. She was doing I that. was 
We're, we're super lucky to have a, a, a great network of friends, uh, people that we can call on for that sort of stuff. It quite good, crosses over from time to time between yeah. you and me, doesn't it? Which is really, really nice. Uh, yeah, I I use a lot of um, clients' dogs for sort of socialisation sessions and things, and yeah. they're, they're always really happy to, yeah, take him. <laughs> take take <laughs> yeah. him away, please. Um, and it's brilliant. Um, yeah, we set up a little play date the other day with... Um, Wally, the big Ridgeback. Yeah. He's lovely. He's so lovely. He's so um, sweet. And yeah, I, it, it's brilliant. It's very humbling, this sort of stuff, when you start thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. And I think <laughs> what the lovely part for me is when it goes sort of full circle and, you know, someone that's worked through something with their dog can then come back and help someone else with yeah. that dog that what was previously moment. in the air. What a lovely Dude. moment. Dude. Yeah, it goes back to the interview, what we were talking about. Yeah. So yeah, we need to be better people, better people with people. I yeah. think learn how to do some of this stuff, but with our own kind. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna. I'm gonna set myself a mission to try and do some stuff. I don't know how I'm gonna do that, but I might. I might. I might make myself uh, accountable in some way, shape, or form. Okay. To try and do a bit more positive, reward-based stuff with human beings. Okay. I think I do it in. I think I do it in my work. I don't think I do it as much in my social life. You looked life. into tag teach stuff. So a lot of conferences have done that where, um, you know, you have little coupons or something or you write on a post-it, you know, um, I like the way you did this or that was nice that you let someone cut in front of you or whatever. And you could do that in real life and see how many people are receptive and how many people punch you in the face. It's a problem, though. I find people really (laughs) annoying. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) Let's see. Anyway, let's come up with Challenge Steve then. <laughs> Anyone got any ideas about dun, 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 dun. what we Challenge Steve? We'll get him at Annika Rice um, jumpsuit. <laughs> so keeping our new tradition going with our lovely little book in praise yeah. of dogs. Uh, we've got story time with Nat. Yeah. So <laughs> come close to Yes. Come on. This this is really sweet. Uh, it's called My Dog Spot. To all essayists, we would like to comment the clarity, brevity and general interest of the following from the pen of an eight-year-old John Morrison who wrote on What My Dog Means to Me. My dog means somebody nice and quiet to be with. He does not say do like my mother or don't like my father or stop like my big brother. My dog Spot and I sit together quietly and I like him and he likes me. That's sweet. Like a, it's a letter from the Chattanooga Times. The Chattanooga Times, back in the forties. Well, that, that. that kind of sums up how I feel about my dogs yeah, as well. Oh, that's so sweet, <laughs> isn't it? I had a, I had a, that's a really good, sweet. I had a good thumb through here earlier on today, and I found some some nice ones. Have you, have some you highlighted some? Ones as well. Really, some very bizarre. We'll, ones. we'll skip those, maybe. Yeah, we'll skip the bizarre yeah. ones. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for Cheers, coming. Cheers, everyone. And Thanks for listening. Into your ear holes again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so it's it's just a, it's a privilege. It really is. It really is a privilege. And we hope you're still enjoying it. And um, let us know if you are. Wash your hands. Yeah, <laughs> do wash your hands. Uh, <laughs> Should be making light of this, really. Not really, no, because not really. by the time this goes out, things could yeah, have plummeted. Yeah. Yeah. So no. Do Keep wash safe. Your hands, Keep yeah. safe with with the virus out there. yes indeed indeed um uh next episode well actually we're not going to announce the next episode now because we're so far in the past we haven't concreted anything but no we've got a couple of things in the pipeline haven't we, we have we have a pipeline and there's stuff jammed right in it like, much like my dream <laughs> oh god week. we've gone full circle i'll be elbow deep <laughs> oh god. pulling out the next book and we'll see you then <laughs> and okay. on that note yeah bye bye
Atoms collide Our cells divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this right Has just begun And here at the end of a line that stretches back through all time Time guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive, you can't keep it Genes compete This war is never won Numbers increase For reason and peace Are mass as one We're strong And we're Opposition exists It's our duty to persist Resist and fight And defend till the end Another's right to all this This A wish, a kiss, you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it